Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. So glad that you are joining me today for part two of the kindness of Moses and the midwives. Well, today I'm going to be looking at why we should be kind. And I want to give an overview of biblical history. Now, when you think about the importance of biblical events, you know, we don't have millions of years of human history. We have about 6,000 years of human history. Now, when you look at the Bible, for example, and you go back to creation in the book of Genesis, creation took place about 4,000 B.C., 4,000 years before Christ. Uh, it wasn't too long that we were uh, alive as a, as a people uh, that the wickedness of the earth got so bad. There was a global flood. That's found in the book of Genesis. 1,700 years after creation, God destroys all of humanity except Noah and his family. That happened in 2,348 B.C. Then God promised to deliver the people that they would never again be destroyed by a flood. Well, within a relatively short time, about 100 years later, uh, the wickedness of humanity raises up to God and they start building this tower, the Tower of Babel. God confuses the language and they spread out and they multiply. In 1921 BC, we have the call of Abraham. And Abraham's being raised up, and the Bible is very clear, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 12, uh, that as we bless the nation of Israel, God will bless us. And Abraham is given a promise. And the promise is that he would be a descendant of many people, and uh, there'd be more numerous of this than the sky, uh, the stars in the sky more numerous than the sand by the sea. And God was going to use Abraham for a very special purpose, the blessed Messiah, the Redeemer of humanity, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, was going to come through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we have the time of the judges in 1491 BC, right? Just 1,500 years before the coming of Christ. Judges were raised up. Now, some would say that Moses was the first judge. God appears to Moses in that burning bush, right? God raises up these judges, and the purpose of the judges was to instruct God's people in the ways of God. Uh, The purpose of the judges was to lead God's people into a relationship with him. Judges made judgment calls whenever God's people did something wrong. They would bring it before the judge, and the judge would make a decision as to what should happen. And then uh, we learned that the people of Israel, uh, they weren't satisfied with having judges. They wanted to be like the rest of the world. They wanted to have kings. God says, you know, that's not really a good idea. But you ever notice as you pray about something, if you pray hard enough about something, sometimes God will give us what we pray for, even though it's not what's best for us. And so that's what God did with his nation. We have the time of the kings. King Saul being that first king. Now, King Saul was a man that was head and shoulders above uh, his colleagues, but he was not the best king. Uh, He was somewhat of a self-centered, egocentric king. Uh, So God says, I'm going to replace you, Saul, with David. But we have the time of the kings. Well, that didn't last but uh, uh, just over about 150 years or so. And then all of a sudden, the kingdom split. You have the northern kingdom and you have the southern kingdom. And then you have these minor prophets that begin to be raised up uh, to speak to the kingdoms. And then you have Christ being born. 
And that was at 5 BC. And then you have all of your New Testament history. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the stories of Christ, his ministry here on the earth. And then you have the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the beginning of the church. And that's where we are today in the church age. Well, I said that to kind of set the record, to drive home the point that God is always involved in working with his people. God always has a plan. And so when we think about this subject of kindness, we are made kind by being kind. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, remember this, whoever spares or sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So let me ask you a question. Uh, Do you feel like people are not being kind to you today? Uh, Do you feel like you're not a recipient of kindness? Do you feel like people are being mean and unfriendly uh, and condescending to you? I want to ask you a question. Today, this day, who have you been kind to? You see, we are made kind by being kind. Paul says, if we sow sparingly, we'll also reap sparingly. If you are very um, tight-fisted when it comes to kindness, I'm not going to be kind to anybody, uh, then you will not reap kindness. If you want more kindness in your life, it begins with you. Colossians 3.12 says, so as those who have been chosen by God, writing to believers. Paul writes to the Colossian believers and says, listen, God has chosen you. You're holy, you're beloved. And because of that, you are to put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, notice Paul doesn't say that we are to put on this because that's what we received from other people. He doesn't say that. He says that we have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, because God has been kind to us. We should put on a part heart of compassion. Listen, people can be ornery. People can take advantage of your kindness. I get that. I totally understand that. Uh, I have been uh, taken advantage of in the past. But I want you to know that I'm going to continue to be kind to people. And I hope that you will as well, because we are made kind by being kind. Now, when a nation or an individual forgets the kindness done to them by God, There's nowhere else for them to go except on that path of wickedness, evil, and meanness. So I want to read Exodus chapter 1, and we're talking about the kindness of Moses and the midwives. Uh, Let me read this, and then I'm going to have some takeaways, okay? Uh, Verse number 1, Exodus chapter 1. These are the names of the sons of Israel, that's Jacob, who moved to Egypt with their father each with his family. Remember when they moved to Egypt and Jacob's family was about to starve to death, they found out there was food in Egypt. So they moved the whole family to Egypt and Joseph is there on the throne. Uh, Joseph is second in command. He recognizes his brothers. He cares for his brothers and they all decide to move to Egypt. And here is a list of those who moved to Egypt. Verse number two, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Okay, these are the 12 tribes of Israel. In all, Jacob had 70 descendants in Egypt, including Joseph, who was already there. So we see moving to Egypt are 70 descendants of Israel, right, of Jacob. Verse number six, in that time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, 
ending that entire generation. So Joseph is dead, all of his brothers are dead, uh, and the descendants are dead. Uh, Well, not the descendants, I'm sorry, uh, but his brothers are dead. But the descendants uh, had many children and grandchildren. Although uh, the main brothers have died, Joseph has died, uh, their children and their grandchildren begin to multiply. In fact, they multiplied so greatly, they became powerful, and they filled the land. Well, there's a new king that comes along, a new power in Egypt, who knows nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He says to his people, look, the people of Israel, they are outnumbering us. They are stronger than we are. We got to make a plan. And we got to keep them from growing even more. Because if we don't, and war breaks out, they're going to join our enemy, and they will actually fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. That's how they were brought into slavery. They forgot what Joseph did for them. Pharaoh forgot what Joseph had done to them. They call him out now the king, uh, and they forgot all that Joseph and his descendants had done to him. All they saw is they were growing, and they were fearful they were going to overthrow Egypt, or they were fearful that they would abandon Egypt. And then where would their their economy go if they lost Egypt? all of their slaves, and they lost all of the strength of what the Israelites brought. So these slave drivers were driving over the Israelites, and they were hoping to wear them down, to crush them with labor. They forced them to build cities in in Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. Now, this is an important truth, right? When you think about oppression, uh, the church never has to worry about going out of business because of pressure from outside. It's always the conflict within that destroys churches and families. The same is true about your marriage. If your marriage falls apart, it's not because somebody outside of your marriage was oppressive. It's because somebody within your marriage decided, I'm done, right? Uh, but as long as you, uh, as husband and wife, are united in purpose and plan, uh, you are invincible. What God has put together, let no man tear it asunder. God will keep you together. Uh, so I don't worry too much about outside pressure. I worry much more with conflict within. And here we discovered that the Egyptians were oppressing the Israelites, but the Israelites kept growing more and more and more. Verse number 13, the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. Say, well, let let me see if we can put so much pressure on them and drive them to their knees, and and maybe they will, uh, maybe their their life will become so bitter, they'll be so run down, they won't have the will to fight us back, right? It says they made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and to make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah says, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If a baby boy is born, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. Now, the oppression didn't work. And so now the king is saying, how about murder? Let's kill off these boys, right? When I think about what this is going to do to the Israelites or what it's intended to do to the Israelites, It is intended to weaken this nation. It is intended to drive from them this desire 
or even to consider going against the Egyptian empire. It says, but, there's always that but. Thank the Lord for the buts in our lives, right? The midwives feared God. They refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Now, these women were sharp, right? Uh, This is what they said, verse number 19. These Hebrew women, uh, they're not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous. They have their babies so quickly that we can't get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and God was good, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, throw every newborn Hebrew into the Nile River, but let the girls live. Now, there are some things here in this passage that I see about the kindness, uh, specifically of these midwives. And I want to make some points that are application points as we look at Exodus chapter number one. Here's my first point. You know, kindness. You can be kind to somebody, and it may be forgotten quickly, but fruit will remain. You know, I've been doing pastoral ministry long enough uh, that often I find that the people that I'm kindest to, I'll be the ones to abandon me quickly, right? They forget quickly. (laughs) Some people have the mindset of, what have you done for me lately, right? And kindness is often forgotten quickly. But I want you to know there's a fruit that always remains. The King Pharaoh, the King of Egypt, forgot Joseph forgot the kindness that God exhibited through the Israelites. And because he forgot that, God was going to allow a fruit to remain. Look at verse number seven, Exodus chapter number one. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. They multiplied and they grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. The fruit remained because they were kind to the Egyptians because they actually rescued the Egyptians. God allowed them to grow. They grew and multiplied mightily, and the land was filled with them. Uh, Somebody says that Exodus chapter number one could be broken down into three segments. Number one would be people. Number two would be prosperity. And number three would be problems. Here we discover that God was blessing his people, although the kindness that was given to the Egyptians was forgotten quickly, there was a fruit that remained, and people, the Israelites, were growing exponentially, exceedingly mighty. But then there was also a issue of prosperity. Because of this great increase, they were becoming stronger. They were multiplying, which led to number three, a major problem. Uh, The problem was that Pharaoh is becoming fearful. The king is becoming afraid that these uh, Israelites are going to take over or these Israelites are going to abandon Egypt. I want you to know, there's always a fruit that remain in your kindness. Uh, Let me give you five benefits of kindness before I give you the second point. Here we go. Uh, When we think about kindness, you should be kind to people because it makes you happy. Being kind to others does something to you. You know, you think about when you're mean to somebody. Do you feel better after you're mean to somebody? No, you don't. You feel worse. But when you're kind to somebody, uh, there's a benefit that you receive. You are happier. Number two, 
It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we know this is true, right? Let me ask you a very simple question. Would you rather be a person who is destitute, on the side of the street, asking for money? Or would you rather be the person who has an extra 10 bucks in your pocket that you can help somebody else? Yeah, every time I ask that question, I've never had anybody say, well, I'd rather be that person that has nothing and that's the side of the street begging. No, all of us, I would rather be the person that can give than one that has to receive. The Bible is very clear. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, it's more blessed to be kind than it is to receive kindness. Kindness will be quickly forgotten. But if you're kind to somebody, our fruit will remain. Here's the third benefit of being kind. You know, it's good for your heart. The Bible says, a kind or a merry heart doth good like a medicine. It helps you physically as you are kind to other people. It lifts up your spirits. It's good for your heart. So be kind in the nature of, in in the name of good health. Let's be kind to one another. It will lower your blood pressure. It will do wonders for your health. Number four, did you know that kindness actually slows the aging process? That's right. Uh, That's part of the fact that it's good for you, right? It it slows the aging process. You think about people who are mean. Uh, They don't have a a happy disposition, and they tend to to die quicker, right? Uh, That that, uh, adage, only the good die young, is not true. Uh, We're all going to die eventually, but as you are kind to others, it slows that aging process. And number five, it improves relationships. Yeah, you think about the relationships that you have. Don't, don't say, well, I've got a wonderful relationship with these mean people that I, I, I might work with. No, you realize that friendship is based on kindness. And oftentimes a relationship could be broken and it is restored because of kindness. Somebody taking that initial step to restore that relationship, all based on kindness. And, and let me throw in an extra one for you. Kindness, number six, is contagious. I find that the more I'm kind to people, the more people will be kind to me. I guess you could say that's the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, You see, the Bible is very clear on this subject of kindness. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that in the ages to come, God would show his surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are born again because of the kindness of God. It's not because of anything that we have done uh, to deserve his kindness. It is a gift that is given to us. God's grace, God's caress, kindness toward us. Well, we ought to be kind, even though your kindness may be quickly forgotten. There's going to be a fruit that remains. Here's a second lesson that we learned. Kindness based upon reverence of God overcomes fear. Let's look at verses 15 and 16 of Exodus chapter number 1. It says, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, and we know their names. One was Shifra, and the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife. Now, it's important to look at this duty of a midwife. Here we have ladies that were unable to have children, but yet they were involved in bringing life into the world. They helped deliver babies into the world. So the duties of the midwife, when you're doing these duties for the Hebrew women, uh, said the king, and and you see they're on on the birth stool. If they have a boy, a son, then you're to kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. 
Now, these midwives are being kind because they have a love for life. They understand the sanctity of life, and they understand that they ought to obey God rather than man, and so they're going to be kind to these women who are delivering these babies, and they're going to let their sons live. How could they do that? Because their kindness was based on the reverence of God, and it gave them the ability to overcome their fear. Now, I imagine they were afraid of being caught, and they did get caught, right? Uh, They were uh, uh, fearful of the edict from the king. They probably could have been killed themselves for violating this order to kill those, those baby boys. You know, the Bible is very clear. Isaiah 54 says, like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I drive home this verse because I want you to understand, when you are a recipient of God, the kindness of God, you don't face him in his rebuke. You don't have to worry about him coming up against you. The mountains may shake, the hills may be removed, but God's unfailing love for you will never be shaken. He has peace in your life, and he will protect you. And that's exactly what he does with these midwives. He protects them. They have so much respect and revere for their God uh, that they're willing to go against the order of the king. Kindness based upon reverence of God always will overcome fear. Uh, Number three, kindness may not be rewarded by people, but is always rewarded by God. Uh, Maybe you're listening today and says, man, I've been so kind to people, and uh, and what do I get back? Nothing. Uh, Kindness may not be rewarded by people, but God always rewards it. Look what he did with these midwives. Exodus 1.19. The midwives answered Pharaoh. Are these Egyptian women, or these Hebrew women rather, they're not like the Egyptian women. These ladies are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives arrive. Uh, now, as we look at this, we, we see that they're going against the edict of Pharaoh and they may not be telling the exact truth here, Uh, But they understand the value of life, and it says, God was kind to the midwives. And the people increased, it became even more numerous. Now, don't stop there. Look at the last part of verse 20. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Because they were kind and brought in life, God says, I tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to allow you to have a family of your own. You couldn't have children or you didn't have children. You were a midwife. But because you fear me, because you reverence me, I am going to give you your own family. Don't you love that? Listen, people may miss your kindness. People may not be in touch with your kindness. But always remember, God rewards your kindness. Number four. Kindness rejected. When it's rejected, it hurts the innocent ones the most. In Exodus chapter 1, it says, The Pharaoh gave this order to all the people. Every Hebrew boy 
that is born to you must be thrown into the Nile, and every girl can live. You see, here we discover that those innocent lives were being punished by losing their life. You ever wonder why we reject kindness? Often we reject kindness because we are filled with pride. The Bible says, see to it that nobody misses the grace of God or the kindness of God. Because if we do, there's a root of bitterness that will spring forth and defile many. Oh, I want you to know, God is wanting to give you His kindness. And He doesn't want you to reject it. Because if you reject it, pride begins to take root. And that pride doesn't just affect you. That bitterness doesn't just affect you. It affects those that you love. It affects those who are close to you. I know people that uh, will not go to church because there's a root of bitterness. And they're not even sure where that bitterness came from. But it's impacting them negatively. And it's hurting those they love. So I pray today that you'll be set free from the root of bitterness, that God will deliver you. Confess that sin, and you'll discover that He will set you free. So Lord, thank you for being with us in the broadcast today. May we follow through with kindness. May we realize that you've been so kind to us. May we eradicate all bitterness from our lives. In Jesus' most precious name, we pray. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.